starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. I'm Aaron Summers. It is definitely getting busier around here. We are wrapping up OTAs this week and minicamp starts next week. OTAs, they're optional. Minicamp, however, is mandatory. So it should be a lot of good content coming out next week. Minicamp runs Tuesday through Thursday. We will have access every day, so you can expect a lot on NewOrleansSaints.com. Last week, the Saints announced their selection for the 2023 induction into the Saints Hall of Fame, and it was cornerback Jabari Greer. Greer played five seasons with the Saints from 2009 to 2013. After first being signed by the Bills, he was an undrafted free agent out of Tennessee in 2004. Greer helped the Saints reach the playoffs four out of his five seasons there, including, yes, the Super Bowl in 2009. He played in 63 games, 60 starts. He had 290 tackles, nine interceptions, 68 passes defensed, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Greer developed such a special relationship with the fans in New Orleans and the community here that he stayed for several years after his retirement. Here is Greer during the Hall of Fame press conference last week. Uh, I think that there are, there's only a few places in the NFL that you have the um, the experience um, that a uh, that you have the experience with the fans that you have here in New Orleans. There's only about two or three more places, but I think that there there's no place that loves and that stays with their team, no matter good or bad, um, than the New Orleans Saints fans. Um, And I believe that um, because of that, uh, I was able to not only fall in love with the fan base, but fall in love with the city. I remember in 2011 when we came so close, you know, we had a really good team and unfortunately we weren't able to get to the, um, to the NFC championship. Um, and I remember coming home and coming home from San Francisco and the streets were lined with thousands and thousands of fans, like loving us, encouraging us, being there for us, whether win or lose. And there's many times in which we walked out the tunnel after a tough loss in the Superdome and people were encouraging us just as if we had won the game, picking up our heads, not 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 ever giving up on us. And so I do understand that we had set a um, a standard of winning and of excellence from that 2009 to 2011 season. People were expecting us to be uh, to 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 hold a, a certain um, a certain standard. But when we did not meet up to that standard every single week, we were met with grace. We were met with um, understanding. And I think that you only get that in a city that sees itself in its team. Um, the way that the New Orleans Saints um, em- em- embraces um, diversity, they embrace um, community, they embrace uh, family, you know, I think it permeates throughout the city. This is a city that loves its people. This is a city that loves its people. And because they love its people so well, they love their team. Their pe- their, 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 these people love their team. And I think that in turn, the teams love 
the community. Um, I could not have been, I, I could, like, through God's grace, I came to the best place on earth to play football. And there was no place like the Superdome on Sunday. Um, you're hearing the brass band. You're hearing stand up, get crunk for the first time. You know, those are those are moments that you can't, like, you can't replicate. And to be on the, the center stage, to be on the center stage in front of 85,000, 90,000 people when Stand Up Get Crunk on, when Stand Up and Get Crunk comes on and everybody's going crazy, so much where I can't even hear the guy next to me is something that was so special. And I feel like that you can only get here, that you can only get here. And so, I mean, for me, this is this this became home and it's still home. My children were born here. You know, we have New Orleans circulating through our blood, you know, and the way I think it was just a definitive point in my life where everything changed. It's kind of like post New Orleans, you know, pre New Orleans or post New Orleans for me, you know. Um, and so, yeah, the relationship between the the team and the fans is one that's special. And for me in particular, um, I just I think that this is one of the best places on earth. I love New Orleans. I had a chance to sit down with Jabari following the announcement to dive into who he was on the field and what he's been doing since. Jabari, thank you so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast. Congratulations on the honor. Yeah, I'm, it's, it's, um, it really is uh, an honor. And it's, uh, I'm kind of extremely humble, to say the least. You were emotional when you were speaking just moments ago mm. at the Hall of Fame press conference. What was it like to receive the call? Well, uh, I was a bit in disbelief mm -hmm. when I first received the call. Um, I thought that I knew how I was not only was going to react, but I thought I knew that I was prepared for um, what Ken Trahan was going to want to tell me. Mm -hmm. um, but we were at dinner with the kids and I put it on speakerphone and I think that more than anything it was um it was a a moment that I got to share with them and because of the nature of of like what we were doing being at the table together as a family and hearing um like that's some celebration from my past life right mm -hmm. a life that i kind of like was dead and buried for a long you know for for years to be able to like to bring that back up and and to uh celebrate that with them i think for me was one of the most incredible things that i could do as, as a as a dad you have always talked a lot about your family how important they were mm. to you are to you um you've talked about your brother being somebody that motivated you yeah. to get to where you are what is it about family that just means so much to you um, I think that, well, fortunately, I was able to have a, a mother and father that really saw the importance of instilling um, a uh, a good relationship between me, my brother, and my sister. Um, and growing up, being the middle child, I, I related to my brother uh, a lot in sports and related to my mm -hmm. sister and, you know, in, in ways, you know, like you know how to treat women exactly <laughs> and like doing star search dances and like just all types of stuff but i think the um it wasn't until i had children that a lot of the lessons and a lot of the and as i got older 
uh, a lot of the um, the wisdom that my parents like were continuously imparting to me kind of took root and started to bear fruit. Um, and so for me, I think understanding the foundation of uh, of everything that we do in the community starts with family and you know like selfishly right i mean i see myself in them and they will be the best part of me once i leave um hopefully i live the life that they um love and respect uh but ultimately you know they will continue on long to after i'm here so i want to do a, i want to be faithful with that opportunity um and really instill to them the importance of what um the only team that we didn't choose you know, mm-hmm. and we don't choose our, our, our you know, team Greer. So uh, I'm really I'm thankful. You've done a lot to give back to the community and continue to show what it means to, to be a good father, to be a good mentor with your Greer campaign. Mm-hmm. What went into starting that and what mm. do you still do with it here in New Orleans? Well, um, I I was a, I was a young father. Right. I was 21 when my daughter came. I was 22 when my son came. Um, and there were many times that even though I was playing uh, professional sports, you know, we have this thing in our community where we feel like we made it. Right. We, we made it to the big time. And so having this all this outward uh, adulation, having all of this um, this perceived success, but at the same time feeling as if I wasn't present and I was not. Uh, as intentional as I could be for the most important people in my life um, really was an isolating feeling. And so I understood that there were very few places where fathers and men can go that um, we could share these struggles or these moments of fear and of like vulnerability um, that we had. Um, And so I remember one time a good friend of mine, Paul Williams, unfortunately he's passed on now, but he was a high school teammate. And I remember um, he was raising his child um, and he was driving, uh, he was doing like domestic trips. He was driving a truck and he was doing deliveries. And I remember he called me to check up with me and I heard it in his voice and I asked him what was wrong. And he said, I've been raising my daughter for the last year. She's been with me full time. I've been working, but I still am forced to pay child support. He said, I feel like I am alone. I feel isolated. Mm-hmm. And I remember at that moment, I it's just clear as we're talking right now. I heard like uh God say to me, there needs to be a place where men can go where they no longer feel alone. And so we started we started the campaign that allowed men a place where they can go so that they can talk about and be encouraged and be strengthened and be equipped with um, tools Mm -hmm. to be able to be a better father. And, And I mean, there's something powerful about providing a place where men can be vulnerable. Um, because it takes a lot for men to get to that place, right? It takes a lot for men to be able to say, I don't know what I'm doing. This is tough. This is out of my control. I need help. And so when a man is willing to be at that place, when a man is willing to 
honestly uh, and transparently lean on his brothers. You know, there's something spiritual about those moments. And so, you know, we, yeah, we did that and we loved it. And over time, you know, things have trans, they've, they've, um, they've uh, transitioned and they've transformed into, uh, you know, things on their own. And I've had uh, more success and less success in it. Um, but as of, uh, the last few years, I've taken a back step on a back seat on, um, doing the 501c3, the nonprofit, um, way and really been focused just more on my writing and just writing more about the topics mm -hmm. and, um, really like, I guess, making a point with the pen. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Where can we find that? Well, right now I'm writing a piece that hopefully when it comes out, if you follow me on social media, mm -hmm. I will let you know. So um, it, it, it really is interesting, man, because where I am out, where I'm at right now in my life is so with it's so removed from the sports arena. We're going to get back to that. But oh, yeah. 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 So removed <laughs> from the sports arena. You know, like I, I was an athlete my entire life um, and. You know, I stopped playing when I was, what, 31, 32. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I I taught sports for another nine years. Uh, well, actually, no, I'm, I'm yeah, so for another nine years, uh, eight or nine years. And so then last year, February, I, I just felt the move away from sports. I felt like I felt being cleansed by it. I was cleansed by it, you know. And so now... Um, the pieces that I'm that I'm writing are more about like social commentary, psychology, mm -hmm. spirituality, love, humility, things like that. Things that are really passionate to me. And so now I'm writing the piece and I'm going to be submitting to everything. So hopefully you can write, you can read it in all the big publications. Great. Well, we'll definitely follow along you gonna, for that. You're going to check me out? Yeah, right, you got to. I mean, you're a very eloquent speaker, so I'm yeah. sure you're a good writer as well. But taking it back to your time here with mm. the Saints... When you joined the organization, you just told a story about how you heard a voice saying, this is where you're going to be able to be a kid again. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Were you able to be a kid here? Yes. Oh, yes, I was. Oh, my goodness. That, like, to be on this side of it. Okay. So um, how much time we got? <laughs> I mean, on, on, okay. I, I can sit here all day. <laughs> okay. So um, I, one of the biggest fears that I had. Well, and I'm sure that a lot of players who sign contracts and who have expectations, uh, who 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 yes, who have, who have expectations to not only do well, but whose expectations are placed upon you by you know fans mm -hmm. and organizations, you know that is the pressure to meet and exceed those expectations are enormous, right? I want to make sure that they're paying that they're getting what they're paying for mm -hmm. and I'm giving them more than what they're paying for. And so when I, when I visited here um, and I had that spiritual moment uh, many times our well, the, our smell is one of the strongest ties that we have to memory. Mm -hmm. And so if you've ever played like little league sports, you know, specifically generation X is gen X is are these, these mouthpieces that we used to have that we used to have to boil. <laughs> yeah. They have a very distinct smell. And so I remember just walking in the parking lot, smelling that 
smell just wafting across my face and hearing the voice when you come here you'll be able to play like you're a kid again i knew i was supposed to be here and then looking eight uh well looking now 16 17 18 years you know um later no 2009 no it's what i'm tripping 11 years later mm -hmm. right uh, it's 2023. I'm no 14 years later. Here we go. 14. <laughs> You're just gonna let me get to it. Like you'll get to it. I'm not. I'm not claiming to be an over here. So yeah. So 14 years later, seeing that not only did I meet and exceed the expectation of coming here, but I left. I left with a not only good taste in my in my mouth, but I left on good terms with the city. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. I left on good terms with the organization. I left on good terms with the city. So much that I can come back in moments like this and be honored, even though I have nothing else to give to this organization. I would like to think that I could play two more series, you know what I'm saying? But the truth is, like, I'm 41. I play. You, and know, you look like it. I, well, I appreciate I, I asked him for the small, the small uh, shirt. And, that, you know, that, that, that exasperates things a bit. <laughs> but I would say that... I would have never realized, I would have never realized how this would have turned out because there was so much fear about failing and about not meeting the expectation that I had for myself, that mm -hmm. the team had for me and that the fans had for me. Um, so to see that I not only played for this organization, I, I not only uh fulfilled my deal but they re-signed me to another deal that we won a, a a super bowl and that i retired a saint i and now inducted into the saints hall of fame uh is a testament to god's grace in my life and is a testament to understanding and acting and understanding that there will be moments that I have to pull the trigger that I have to like listen to wisdom and I have to understand that things um, are moving in my direction for a reason. So I could have easily heard the voice. I could have easily understood the um, um, I could have understood the situation around New Orleans and I could have just chalked, chalked it up to it to be to it being an anomaly. Mm -hmm. And I would have missed the best thing that would have ever happened in my life. You definitely have a lot of appreciation for your time here. Yeah. And this honor being inducted into the Saints Hall of Fame shows their appreciation right back for yeah. what you did here. Thinking about some of your memories when you played here, multiple playoff runs, yeah. the Super Bowl run. Unfortunately, you got hurt yeah. later in the season, which you were able to come back for. Yeah. You know, what stands out to you about some of your moments here, maybe on the field with some of your teammates? Oh yeah, um, so I was a, I was I was a different type of player in in the fact that I I never I was serious about my craft, mm -hmm. but I didn't take like things so seriously. Mm -hmm. And so my favorite moments are like just acting being funny uh being silly in the locker room yeah you know what i mean um lighting up the mood in the uh in the meeting room 
right? We would just like have certain routines that we would do that were unique to us. We would have inside jokes. We would have certain things that we did that were special to the DBs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was the relationship that we had together. There's something about professional football that, you know, I say football covers all all sins, right? All wounds. And so there's this bubble that you're that we're in here that, you know, being able to come to work, play a game, dress down, not have to worry about anything or everything else. There's this this bubble that you you, you that you live in and that you work in in profession in the professional football realm that is something that is that was beautiful that I really thought was a sacred space and so I often think that you know I I, I think about the games the particular games that we Mm -hmm. played I think about the Super Bowl I think about the win versus Miami coming back 26 and nothing I think about uh man how hard the San Francisco 49ers was hitting us in 2011 like that was crazy man like the way that so there were so many different games that um are imprinted in my mind and in my spirit um but at the end of the day it was the relationship with my um my teammates and the relationship with the city mm-hmm. like being able to be in there um, in in the Superdome and hear the Who Dat chant and hear Stand Up Get Crunk, be there when it started when we first started doing it right doing mm-hmm. kickoff and that excitement that they have hearing the brass band and you know in section six fifty you know what I mean and seeing all the all the costumes and everything this was an event being a New Orleans Saint on Sunday is an event and I had a front row seat that you couldn't pay for. You could not buy that seat that I had. You had to earn it. You had to earn it. And it took me 20-something years to earn that seat, and it was well worth the journey. How much fun is it going to be come December 8th weekend when you're able to go to the Dome again, be out there for the Panthers game? Well, I think it's, yeah, I think it's cool. I mean, um, I guess it's a little different because I, you know, I've, 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 I've had the best to be center stage. Yeah. I've had the best seat at the house. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm, you know, it's like they, 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 you know, I feel I'm coming at it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Like right now, it's like, I'm a wounded warrior coming back. You know what I mean? Which is, I mean, I, I get it. I, I'm thankful that they have me back, but it's just like, they bring me in and be like, okay, now get out of here. No, so just, they're bringing you into <laughs> Okay, yeah, come in. You did great. Now get off the field. We got some real some real guys playing games, you know? And I'm like, and I'm still, you know, because no matter how old you get, you still think you can play. Like, mm-hmm. man, you know, if you give me a helmet, I may be able to do one or two more plays. I see you running up and down the sideline. Exactly, like, exactly. So I'm happy. I'm happy that I'll be able to be in a position where I can get back on the field. And more, more than anything, you know, having my having my kids like walk mm-hmm. on the field with me and having them have that experience because I've had that experience. Now, I know what that experience did for me. It just it opens up what I think is possible in life. And so it's not even about me having that experience anymore. It's about me bringing my children in to have that experience so that they can understand that anything's possible. And then they can go to any meeting, any room and feel like, you know, what I've been in a bigger situation than this. And so. That is what I'm looking forward to the most. When head coach Dennis Allen was introducing you, he said that you were the epitome of a New Orleans saint. Hmm. What does that mean to you? What do you think you exemplified when you were here? Hmm. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I think I 
epitomize the right type of player doing things the right way. And so I realized very quickly that for me to uh, meet up and exceed the expectations that were placed upon me, that I had to uh, effectively do three things. I had to be uh, a player that they can count on that could make plays on the field. Mm-hmm. I could be a player that was encouraging, uh, uplifting, and um, that was someone who did the right things in the locker room. Right. Um, that listened to the older players and loved on the younger players and that I was going to uh, be someone who could uh, carry myself well in the media, get the message out um, and get the message out that uh, we as New Orleans Saints are um, are men of diverse background that are coming here to not only play the game at a high level, but to love on the city Mm -hmm. and to love on each other as well. And so it's hard to get that disseminated to the entire city yourself. So it's really important for you, for someone to develop that, um, that relationship with the media so that they can disseminate that on, on a, on a wider scale. So I think threefold being someone who understands the power of a message that understands the power of preparation and understands that this opportunity is just a small moment of my life. But if I work it and I, um, understand it and I take advantage of it, that, you know, five years can turn into 50. And so what that means is five years of hard work can turn into 50 years of, you know, of an incredible life. And so I, I look forward to, um, whatever God has for me next. Um, cause I realized that, you know, what has already happened in my life, transpired in my life. Um, it's been good. Mm-hmm. It's been good. And so um, I have no complaints moving forward. I just look forward to whatever he has for me. Well, we look forward to seeing you here again for the actual induction into the Hall of Fame. Congratulations. And thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Honestly, I could have talked to Jabari for the entire day. Tons of great insight there. You can follow him on Twitter at Jabari underscore Greer. And we'll definitely be covering Hall of Fame weekend, December 8th through 10th. Minicamp again starts next Tuesday. This Tuesday, we will start the final week of OTA coverage. You can see that on NewOrleansSaints.com or at Saints on Twitter. Next week, again, it is every day, Tuesday through Thursday, pictures, video, sound. We have you covered. Thanks for listening this week. Next week on the pod, we will have two more of our recently hired coaches, defensive coordinator Joe Woods and defensive line coach Todd Grantham. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.